This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. I said earlier that we were going to focus on ladies in general. That's true. Exodus 20 and 12, and these first couple things are really directed toward young people. So... Y'all right here, you guys back here, y'all pay attention, you ladies on the back row, let's go ahead and point everybody out, the brown youngins, that's their last name there, um, I mean I'm at risk here, because I pointed over here and said the brown youngins, I mean, look, y'all know me. I just, we love, and these girls back here are precious, aren't they? Don't y'all appreciate the way they show up all the time and are part of the family? <laughs> love them. <laughs> love these girls. Um, all the young people, listen, you know that one of the Ten Commandments is, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know that that's a commandment, Right? And I know that sometimes when we're living our lives, maybe one or the other of the parents or both sometimes are not really uh, what they should be. But what we do is we honor the, the uh, office, if you will, it's not a great word, but I can't think of a better one, of parenthood. So we, we issue respect and see we can't we'll never be able to stand and say well I didn't have to do what God said because they didn't do what God said you understand what I'm saying we are we are individually required to pay attention to God's words and to obey them regardless of what anybody else is doing now we don't have to participate in what's wrong we don't have to declare what's wrong to be right. We don't have to like it. But we are required to honor those positions. And today is Mother's Day, so I'm asking you, if you're here and your mother's here or your mother's still living and, and um, you have the opportunity to do so, if not, try to make the opportunity, if it's at all possible, to demonstrate honor in some way. Just practical steps. Honor your mother in some way. That could be a hug when you're not usually a hugger. It's been a long time since you've given her a hug. That could be words, something you say to her. It could be that you write a card or a note to her. It could be that you give her flowers even if you have to, um, you know, go pick wildflowers if you don't have the money to go to the store or as one buddy of mine said I never pay for flowers because I just stop by the cemetery and get my wife you know whatever but I'm not really suggesting that but those flowers do go to waste um, find a way to honor your mom today all right and make her know that she's special don't don't manufacture it so that it feels fake but do something real that you know will be meaningful to her. Make it personal. 
And it says that there's a promise attached to that. So anybody all about getting good stuff, you enjoy getting gifts, you enjoy being blessed. Well, this is one of the commandments that has a promise of something good attached to it. It says, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Uh, so if we want long, productive, prosperous lives, it's a good idea to obey God's words. And one of those things that he tells us is to honor our parents. And that's supported also over in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6. That chapter opens up by saying, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There's a three-word phrase in there, prepositional phrase that's very important, in the Lord. So if your parents tell you to go out and sell dope for them because a young person may get away with it easier, I suggest that you disobey that instruction. Okay, My younger brother and I were traveling through the mountains of Virginia one time, and I, I, was, I was driving and was going fast and went through a radar, speeding by probably 30 miles an hour over the speed limit, and there was traffic behind us, so the policeman couldn't get right out behind us. He was some ways back, but I did see him pull out, and I did see him hit his lights. So I made a turn and went up a hill and hid behind a dumpster and sat there for a while. By the way, I'm not suggesting this either. I'm just telling you a story. And then I said to my little brother, you get in the driver's seat in case we get pulled over you'll be the driver because when you're younger, these things are not as serious as when you're older. They might take me to jail, but you, they're just going to give you a ticket, and if they give you a ticket, I'll pay it. And, it, and you know, when you're under a certain age, I told him all kinds of stuff. When you're under a certain age, it doesn't actually go on your driving record, but when you're my age, it does. So, you know, he believed everything I said, so I, that's what we did. And we did get stopped, and he did get a ticket, but... Some instructions we're better to not obey. Amen? That's why it says, in the Lord. So when, if it's right, because what's in the Lord is right, then we obey it. Now the parents in here are saying, well, what they're going to say every time now is, well, that's not in the Lord. It's not in the Lord for me to take the garbage out. Yes, it is. It's not in the Lord for me to load the dishwasher. Of course it is. It's in the Lord for you to do anything that helps out, that is a blessing, that is a benefit to your family, to your household. This one also has um, a promise behind it, which I didn't include that in, in the, uh, what we put on the screen. But it says, so that you may have a long life and so that your days may be prosperous. So again, it's Old Testament, New Testament. We have that promise that if we will obey this command, our lives are going to be good. You know, there's something about obeying commandments like this that really is about uh, treating the people who are closest to you very kindly and generously and lovingly. And I said last week that we shouldn't go outside of these doors 
and start treating strangers nicely if we're not willing to treat the people in our own household nicely and to be generous and kind and forgiving and loving with them. So we'll live well and have a long life, the scripture tells us, if we'll do that. Now, I'm going to read to you from probably the most popular portion of scripture in the Bible about mothers, wives, ladies in general, and that is the 31st proverb. And before I read this now, I'm going to tell you that this is an example where sometimes what we find in the scripture has a lot to do with the culture of the day and may not really really be relevant to how we live right now in our culture. But the metaphors are real and those can apply to us in our lives even though things are not exactly the same. And you'll see what I'm talking about. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. That's one example of what I'm talking about. So how many of you uh, would say, well, my mom doesn't really shop around for the best yarns and cottons? Well, she goes to Marshall's, right? She goes to Belk. Those are the yarns and cottons. The difference here is back then they went and shopped for materials and then they made their own clothes. So now they just go buy the clothes that somebody else already made, right? And, but the knitting and sewing part, who in the room knits and sews? Miss Lynn, I know you do. Who else? Miss Faye does. Nick, he does. Gabby, impressive. Ashley. Cheryl, you knit and sew? Shocked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's good. Debbie, do you? No. Larry's going to have to darn his own socks. Glad to have Larry and Debbie with us, by the way. Awesome. They're visiting from Jamaica for a few days. Um, anyway, knitting and sewing is something. I, I, I love to see ladies doing that. It takes me back to thinking about my grandmother, and she was in a quilting group from her church, and my younger brother actually uh, wrote a book, a little, you know, little book on my grandmother's quilting club at church. It's got pictures, actually, of them at the quilting table, and we own quilts. We have quilts, like a stack of them, that were made by my grandmother and my mother, and so that's a pretty cool thing. It's very special. Not too many ladies do that anymore, but it's, it's a cool thing when it happens. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. Well, I don't know. Um, I, I'm probably not going to come in one day and look at Tracy and say, Honey, you look like a cargo ship. I mean, that's just... <laughs> that, would, that may not have the same spirit that we have here in, in the proverb. She's up before dawn. I'm just going to pass right on by that. <laughs> Preparing breakfast for her family. I'm going to pass by that one. And organizing her day. Okay? 
I would, you know, if I was going to sort of paraphrase my own experience, it's like she rolls out about <laughs> 45 minutes before time to pick Brady up over at Sully's house. But, look, when you have birthed seven children and raised them and done everything that's involved with, with that, I'm going to give you all the passes in the world about whether you want to be up before dawn or not or cook my breakfast. I'm perfectly capable of cooking my own breakfast, and I don't have to have that, although women who get up early, make breakfast, have you know, all that, I, I certainly have tremendous respect for that as well. She looks over a field and buys it, then with money she's put aside, plants a garden. That's sort of a cultural thing from the past. Um, but the metaphor is there. You know, Tracy does plant a small garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. I'm about to say not so much. Uh, she designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household, amen, amen, and amen, and keeps them all busy and productive, except Riley. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise, amen. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead, and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. And one of the things that hopefully a lot of guys in the room who are married can say that I certainly can say is that when my wife gets up in the morning, she sits with the Lord, and she plays his word audibly and she she does that she listens to the entire bible through every year has done that many times and that's really kind of the um emphasis that i'm going to give in a few minutes around the challenge to the ladies in the house today but i want to talk um as i said before really to all the ladies and not just to those who have given natural birth to parents and uh, you know somebody in the room is going to know that a lot of this came, comes from something they sent me this week and I was very grateful to get it because I'm going to tell you when it comes to these special days I've always struggled as a, as a minister to know how to approach it because there's going to be somebody in the room that's going to feel a little bit left out, out of place. Um, it could be anything. So we're at Mother's Day, so let's just, let's just talk about it, okay? It could be somebody that wanted to have children, 
that never could. And they went through all the stuff, and it just didn't happen, so they were never able to give birth naturally to a child. It could be somebody whose mother has already left us, and that could have been this year, or it could have been last year, or it could have been a long time ago. And from my own personal experience, and I think that everybody's going to agree if you've been through that, there's no such thing as getting over it, right? There's, there's no such thing as it really just passing and healing and you're okay. It just, it's, it's not like that. So when you come in for Mother's Day and you're talking to people about being a mother and you're talking about our mothers and our grandmothers and whatever, that's likely to stir up some emotions that may not always be positive. Okay, these are the challenges. You may have somebody who's an adopted mother. They adopted children, but they were not able to have children of their own. And maybe they, they could feel like they're in a little bit of, of a different category, and I, I don't like making people feel like that. Um, there are all kinds of different scenarios that you might have. And I don't think y'all probably understand from out there sometimes how difficult it is and challenging it is to try to minister to all the different categories of people in the room. And I have so many times stepped on toes and offended people and said things that it never crossed my mind that I shouldn't say, but later somebody made me aware or either it just occurred to me, well, you shouldn't have said that. That was stupid. Uh, you shouldn't have said that. That was offensive. You shouldn't have said that. That hurt somebody's feelings, right? It's a challenge. And I, you know, I'm not going to just always just burden myself with trying to make sure I never do that at any point in time. It's inevitable. But especially on the, the holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, things like that, um, I've had problems with it. And that's why, and those of you who've been around us a while know that when it comes to those days, I don't usually even talk on the subject. We will wish everybody a happy whatever's day, whatever day it is, and then we just move on and share the word of whatever the word for the day is. But I am talking about moms and, and mothers, grandmothers, and ladies in general today and decided to do that. But I, I want to do it in a way that the ladies in the room in mass feel appreciated, respected, encouraged, blessed, no matter what the circumstances of anything are, you know, because it's easy to beat ourselves up about what we did that we shouldn't have done way back and the brokenness that it caused or the things that we didn't do that we should have done that caused brokenness and you know, it, we're now 60% of American families are blended, right? 60% of American families, you have uh, either the mother or the father, the husband, the wife, or both were previously married, right? So you have uh, the divorce rate is something like 60% on first-time marriages. And it's crazy that second marriages usually last the rest of their lives. <laughs> I mean, second marriages last something in the neighborhood of 80%. They last from then on, but first marriages bust up more times than they don't. And so we've got all that, all right? We know about all that, right? A bunch of people in the room have experienced some of that, you know? But we serve a God who has all these cool things to say to us, 
who is an expert at taking things that are broken, broken into really, really minute pieces, shattered, seemingly irreparable. He's an expert at taking that pile of scattered rubble and building it back into something beautiful and something that is honorable to him and something that is a blessing to the people who are involved in it. And it's not going to look the same as it looked before it was broken. And in some cases, we ought to throw up our hands and say, Hallelujah for that. Right? Because he's also an expert at making things better than they were before. Because when God does a work of restoration, it is always going to be a phenomenal work that no human being or group of human beings could have done. It's going to be honorable to him. It's going to be honorable to the people who are involved in it. And it is going to be better than it was before if we surrender ourselves fully to that work. And we're promised that if God starts a good work, what's he going to do? He's going to finish it, right? He's going to complete the good work that he starts. I'll have to throw an unless on that, and the unless would be unless we choose in the middle of it to fall back into disobedience to what he's trying to do. We can always get in the way of God's work of restoration. Anybody in the room has ever experienced some level of brokenness in your life? Yeah, pretty much everybody. Some levels are going to be way smaller than others. Some are going to be really intense. And it's almost like piling on has happened to you in life. It's been one thing after another one, and it's created just this this war zone of brokenness that describes and characterizes who you are. Well, God is a creator, so he creates things. We as human beings tend to break what he creates, and then he, if we will acknowledge our rebellion, our disobedience, has the power to come back in and become the recreator of what he once created and he will create it in perfection just like he created the world in the beginning he is he's a healer he's a fixer he's a mender he's the one who can do what's impossible for anybody else to do and i know people and there are people here right now who can testify that what i'm saying is right because you may not be where you want to be, but you're surely not where you were. So you know you're on a journey, and you can give God thanks about the point in the journey where you are right now because it's so much further along than where it used to be. God is restoring. He's repairing. He's rebuilding. He's fixing. He's mending. He's healing. That happens one step at a time, laying one block, putting in one steel rebar, moving on to the next and building and and repairing and making it right. And when God does it, it's always going to be right. So someone sent me this letter to a pastor 
and this is why I'm talking about this this way today. A few years ago, I sat across from a woman who told me she doesn't go to church on Mother's Day because it is too hurtful. She had experienced <clears throat> numerous miscarriages, and now she was divorced and was beyond childbearing years. It was like salt in a mostly healed wound to go to church on that day when mothers are outwardly honored. I could relate to her feelings. It began when you asked all mothers to stand. On my immediate right, my mother stood up, and on my immediate left, a family friend stood up. I was a woman that remained seated. I don't know how others saw me, but I felt dehumanized and gutted as a woman. It was like real women stood, but empty shells sat still. I don't normally feel this way. I don't like feeling this way, and I never want another woman to feel this way in church again. You see, I believe we can honor mothers without alienating others. I want women to feel welcomed and appreciated in church and anywhere else they go. So here is what I ask. Do away with the standing. You mean well, but it's just awkward. Does the woman who had a miscarriage stand? Does the mom whose children passed away stand? By all means, please acknowledge the wide continuum of mothering. For example... To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you, yes. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you, yes. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experienced loss this year through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we grieve with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year or ever, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. We must commend mothering for the way it reflects the image of God by bringing forth new life, nurturing those on her path, and living with the tension of providing both freedom and a safety net. That letter helped me, it wasn't written to me, but it helped me feel better and know better how to address women on Mother's Day, and really at all times, right? Because women carry the world in so many ways. They, and I'm not talking about this silly, all this stuff that goes on in government politics about whatever. I don't even want to think about it. I'm talking about real life every day, just being, just being this 
backbone and this foundation for all of us. You know, um, Tracy Deal only worked five months after we got married, and then she became a stay-at-home mom, and then she worked for a couple years when Riley started school. Other than that, she's been a stay-at-home mom and a homemaker all through the years. And the fact that she didn't go out there and make money means so very little. <laughs> Would I rather, and, and God bless those who do. Look, please don't, don't look at this as any sort of a criticism on any category. That's the whole point. God bless those who do. But we could have had more money had she built a career. But does that re is that really the priority? It wasn't for me. Or she wouldn't have become a stay-at-home mom. I refinanced my house for 15 years every time the opportunity came up so that I could get cash out. I'm I'm be completely transparent with you right now, okay? Y'all don't look at me and think my life is perfect. I still own the house on Vega Road behind Miss Faye that Sully and Lydia live in. And I have owned that house for 22 years, and I still owe money on that house. And that was only $100,000 when I bought it, and I still owe money on that house. Why? Because I used my property to supplement my income, because at that point in time, my brother was paying me like nothing, almost. And I taught school for three years, and some of y'all know what that pays. So we had to have extra money. I was willing to do that because it just didn't mean that much to me to have her go out and, every, and the price tag that would have been attached to that. But God bless those who do. Everybody has to evaluate their own situation. Everybody has to make their own decision. Everybody has to decide what's best for their own family and, and their lives. I'm here to honor all of you. I'm here to say thank you to all of you. And all the different categories that were listed in this letter, none of you are less important than any of the rest. You ladies hold up the world. You hold up the world. I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't be here had it not been for a woman. <laughs> and neither would you. Right? And I've been blessed with some phenomenal women in my life. Grandmother. My mother and aunts and my wife, and my daughters and my mother-in-law. And just, I've been, I've been really blessed with that. But when I look across the broad spectrum, are there some bad ones out there? Sure, there's bad everything out there. But man, I just want to say today that I appreciate and respect and honor the ladies in the house, whichever category that you fall in. Now, here's the challenge, and we finish up with the challenge, okay? Now, this challenge is going to the, the ladies in the house, young or old or anywhere in between. This is sound advice from the Word of God. As you are leading, parenting, uh, again, whatever category, working, uh, if you're married, if you're not married, whatever the deal is, Sometimes, and, and I read a little bit this week because I was just looking up different things about 
modern motherhood as it compares to the days of the past and all that kind of stuff. And, and the, the majority of ladies, listen, majority of ladies suffer some level of depression at some point in their life. That's more than half. Almost all girls, when they go through adolescence, enter into some level of depression. It's not diagnosed. You know, they, they're not put on medication. But there have been scientific and medical studies done that prove that most girls experience some level of depression during their early teen years and their middle teen years. I, and I, I listened to an interview with a lady who wrote a book on the transgender issue. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to deal with hot topic social issues, really. But, but the way she presented it, it was just eye-opening because she said, you know, you have a deadly combination. You have, because the vast majority of young people, kids, who start to talk about being transgender, who start to deal with that subject and feel those feelings are girls. The vast majority are girls. And she said, you have a deadly recipe because you've got girls who naturally struggle when they get into those transitions. The biology's changing. The hormones are acting up. All this stuff is happening. They need affection more than they ever have. And then you have so many households where the father's not there providing the kind of affection that a girl needs, giving that kind of love. So she starts looking elsewhere. She's got some confusion going on. She's got some depression going on. And the dad's not around. And the household's dysfunctional and this, that, and the other. And then what happens? You've got social media that presents them with an opportunity to connect with other people who are feeling the same way they are. And they start to hear messages that are misleading. Messages that, yes, make them feel like, hey, now I'm feeling like I'm part of a group. This is replacing something that is missing. This has to be good. This has to be right. It's making me feel better. Okay? Y'all get it? And so what happens is they get into these places with people who are taking them down the wrong pathway. And they get more and more lost and more and more confused. And here's the tragedy of it. Is they can go through the complete gamut of fully believing that whatever's going on with them, they're adopting a different uh, mentality, a different way of living, all this kind of stuff. But if you study it, if you, if you look at the results of research, you'll find out they never get there. They never reach that point. They never reach the destination they're looking for. They remain confused. They become more and more confused. They attach themselves with more and more dysfunctional people. They open themselves up more and more for misleading and deceptive messages. They go move into group homes with people who are like them, and when you see them, you recognize them. Not to be judgmental of appearance, but there is a look. There is a way. And it develops over time as they go through these processes. 
I said that to say that ladies and we men, I don't pretend to understand them at any sort of a deep level. None of us do. Y'all don't. Right? Don't try to. Don't tell her you do. Don't try to. But men and women are so different. And women go through things that men don't go through. And they have experience, they experience emotions and, and things that we don't experience. So we can't identify with it. But we have to give grace to it. We have to give mercy to it. And women fall into depression. They get discouraged. They feel overwhelmed. Anybody in the house really ever felt really just overwhelmed with things? Yeah. I mean, men can do that too, but it's more likely to happen in the lives of ladies. Just feel overwhelmed with everything. Here's the advice. Here's the challenge. While you're, while you're doing the stuff of your life, whether it's raising kids, going to work, tending to your home, dealing with the relationship with your husband if you're married, or... You know, if your parents are still alive or your children, whatever the case may be, all the relationships in your life, all the different aspects and elements of life. Make sure when you're reaching to tend to all of that, that you're reaching up at the same time with the other hand. All right, now that sounds super spiritual, sounds like the easy answer, but I mentioned Tracy sitting in the mornings with the Word of God playing, and she gets overwhelmed sometimes, and sometimes she'll act out on it a little bit. Not in a terrible way, but, I mean, everybody acts out a little bit here and there. I just don't even want to know what it would be like if she wasn't sitting with that word every morning. Because I know what that word is doing. The word changes, changes us. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It gets down inside of you, and it starts to do surgery on you on the inside. Make sure you're reaching for Him while you're reaching to do the other stuff. Don't try to do it without that. Don't forego the benefit of having the Holy Spirit in your life and with you constantly. We're all guilty sometimes of facing the junk that life throws at us every day. And we just don't whisper and ask Holy Spirit what He wants us to do. We don't ask him for his counsel. We don't, you know, we're guaranteed that he never goes anywhere. He's always right there. That opportunity is always there. It's just up to us whether we want to tap into it or not. So reach for him while you're reaching down or out to anybody else. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of him. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I need more wisdom. Everybody in here needs more wisdom. How do we get there? We have this awe and respect for the Lord. The fear of the Lord can be summed up like this. We live our lives in a way that we really know, we're 100% convinced, that God is watching and evaluating how we live. You get it? We live our lives. We communicate. We act. We react. 
we make decisions, we carry on relationships as if God visibly is right here watching us and evaluating what we're doing. That's the fear of the Lord. It's living under God's watchful eye. Not in a way that makes us afraid that he's just going to step on us like an ant and blot us out because of what we're doing. It's, it's a positive thing. It's a measuring stick. It's, it's a way that we can um, behave right, do good, be responsible, be honest, without having all the pressure of performing all that on us. The pressure's not on us. The pressure's on Him because we're leaning on Him and on His wisdom that He gives us as we walk in that fear, that reverence of the Lord. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Man, as a father, so often I feel like I've just operated without any real level of understanding about what I was doing. You know, just kind of winging it, flying by the seat of your pants. I mean, um, my father basically raised my older brother and left my older brother to raise me. Now, my father loved me, and he was not an affectionate man when we were growing up. He became more affectionate when he got older. He was not very affectionate back then. He was kind of stern, a little bit of a disciplinarian. But he didn't spend a whole lot of time investing in me in terms of teaching me life skills, and blah, blah, blah. He did that with my brother, and then he let my brother deal with me. Right? But I did see an example in my life of a godly father. That was beneficial. But my knowledge of the Holy One is the key to having understanding. So that... Listen, this, is, this applies to somebody that takes out the excuse of not having a godly father in your life. You understand that? You can't use that excuse anymore. Because the Scripture doesn't tell us that the key to it is having a godly father to set the right example for you. It tells us that the key is having a knowledge of the Holy One. And then you will have understanding about how to live. To fear the Lord, and then you will have wisdom to know how to operate in life. See, God knew and has known and still knows that a lot of fathers are going to let us down. They're going to mess it up. They're not going to do it right. But we still have Him. He, he doesn't go anywhere. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So let's stop just trying to look to the people who disappoint us. Let's keep loving them. Let's keep giving them grace. Let's keep honoring them to the extent that we can. But man, when it comes to wisdom and understanding, forget about it. I'm going to the Holy One. I know what I'm going to get from there. And then Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, very popular, common scripture that we know. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is head, ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we 
walk in the fear of the Lord, we constantly go to the well of the Holy One. We grow in wisdom and understanding, and we make a commitment every morning, I'm going forward. I'm going forward. If you're spending a lot of time dwelling on that back there, lay it down and go that way. Okay? You're not going to fix that. It's already happened. Right? You can't go back and redo it. That's not the way life works. We only have one good option, and that's to say I'm not there yet, but today I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, and I'm going to move a little bit more forward than I've ever been in my life. Amen? So I think that's good stuff for moms. I think it's good stuff for ladies in general. I think it's good stuff for all of us. But I pray blessings today over the ladies in the house, whatever category you're in, that you will feel loved, respected, honored, blessed. And if your kids don't give you that today, bring them to me and I'm going to slap them around. All right, we really do love y'all, appreciate you, and um, blessed to have all these ladies at part of our house. Lord, it's been a good day, and we thank you for it, and we thank you for all the wonderful ladies that are part of our family here. We give you thanks that um, you're constant. We can lean on you. We can get wisdom and knowledge from you. We pray your blessings over the ladies of the house, blessings of peace, blessings of power, blessings of provision, blessings of protection, blessings of good health, blessings of good relationships. In all ways, I pray you would just watch over them as the loving Father that you are. From the youngest or newest mom in the room to the eldest, I just pray over them that you would enrich their lives and make them know that whatever stage they're in they're still important they're still valuable and then for those ladies in the house who don't have children or um, fall in a different category i just pray blessings over them because they are just as valuable just as precious in your sight and we know that you love them tremendously pray that you would give us a great afternoon with our families and that um, the moms would um, feel blessed in the company of their loved ones and that you'd give us a good week with your peace power provision and protection we give you thanks for all these things in your name we pray amen <laughs>